This is We Are Jet. Hello and welcome. My name is Ed Palmer. On this podcast, we tell the stories of people who've had to drastically readjust their mindset, team culture, and ways of working, all to match the pace of a rapidly changing organization. On this episode, I talk with Imad Kutub, who started out as a weekend manager at a pizza chain and went on to become one of the first employees at Jet. On the episode, he talks about why he still loves working at Jet, why you have to take risks to move fast, and a revolutionary way to use people's love of food to spark employee happiness. Yeah, we, we actually see it as a gift, right? So uh, our colleagues, uh, they all have the, this card, so, or most of them. So actually they, they, for example, pay in the canteen and they see it as a gift rather than having free food available in a canteen. Because the fact that you pay for it uh, makes you feel it's a gift more than when you get it for free. Imad, welcome to the podcast. Please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and where you fit at Jet. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Ed, for having me. Uh, my name is Ahmed Kutop. I'm, I'm 39. Uh, I've been at Jet for almost 14 years now. Currently run the B2B department. And before that, actually, I was in marketing and uh, even before that in uh, sales. Fantastic. Now, I think people listening might think, hang on, B2B, Just Eat, how does that all fit together? We'll come to that a little bit later on. First, a question more about you and your career. What was your first job? And importantly, how does what you learned in that first job affect what you do now? Yeah, actually, my, my first job, job as a student, uh, I was a, a weekend manager at Domino's Pizza. So uh, two days a week, uh, actually in the weekend, uh, I uh, run shifts at a, a Domino's store in, uh, in my hometown. That's where it started. I did that for quite a while before I um, applied for a job at uh, Jet. Fantastic. And are there lessons that you learned then? Um, and I'm a big believer that catering can teach any prospective uh, employee everything that they need to know. But are there lessons that you learned then at Domino's that you use today? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, people uh, often start laughing a bit when I when I talk about all the lessons I learned at Domino's, but it's highly uh, process focused. So you learn a lot about that, but also building teams, right? In my time there, I think I had about 18 managers or something. So I learned a lot about what motivated me. And, and I could also apply that myself when I uh, became a manager there. So uh, learned a lot about how to motivate teams. And next to that, I always try to have a team that can run itself, uh, like in a pizzeria, like you don't need to be there, uh, but you only step in when it's necessary. And that's that's something I still apply today. Okay, so you, you think um, you're not a hands-on manager, you don't necessarily... Int- interfere with with, with the work well, only when I, f- I, I i interfere when i where i feel it is needed at that point in time so i don't want to be part of the they don't they should let's say operate without me but i only step in at the point where i say okay this is going wrong now i need to help out and i'll help there for well in the pizzeria it was like for an hour maybe here it's for a week or i fly into a certain country or I fly into a certain department or whatever and then help out there uh but then they should do it again themselves right it's not my job to do their job so uh, but my job is to help them uh, become better in what they do and if they don't then i need to step in yeah fantastic so that's that's dominoes that's the start of your career what about the start of your career at jet when did you know that you and jet were the right fit and i believe this is it's pretty early on in jet's history right yeah it is i mean i mean you're now here for 14 years so uh, actually at some point i uh, i wanted to get let's say sort of a real job so i applied <laughs> for a job at uh, at jet 
people still laughed at me back then like okay yeah you should uh, you should work at a normal company but i really believed in let's say the concept uh and back then it was like uh relatively small right i think uh, we're about uh, 20 people 20 30 people so actually i had coffee with jitsa the, the founder and um we had a great match uh, because we both liked the industry and uh, actually i started in sales like also because i was still studying a business administration two days a week i i signed up restaurants uh which was very um very nice thing to do so uh, actually, quite fast, I already felt like, okay, this is, I'm still in the sort of food industry, not making the food myself, but sort of being the intermediate in that uh, in that sense. And I really like uh, liked and still like the, the fact that there's a, um, a food element, a tech element, and a people element, right? And in a lot of companies, you have might have one or two of those three, but not all of them combined. So that was something I, I really liked from the start, and I still like that uh today so um the bit that really interests me about jet i think is that social element that sociological understanding of people and people's behavior because it's obvious that um food is an important element it's obvious that tech is an important element but understanding human behavior is a big part of why jet works and has grown isn't it were you aware of that at the start that it was about it was about changing human behaviors changing yeah because i mean uh even when i started like it was it was relatively popular but still you need to explain a lot uh to restaurant owners uh, uh they knew about the internet but not really what their position uh, in that uh, could be so you still need to explain the internet to some of them uh back then the majority was still on fax so they didn't have even an internet connection like we could supply every connection uh, that they wanted and our preference was obviously the internet but they most of them were still on the fact so relatively not let's say e-commerce driven so um there there was a lot of things going around on explaining and you were at the forefront of a new innovation in that industry right so internet was not per se new to the to the world because it already existed but specifically to the let's say uh, food delivery restaurants it was completely new so so that was you 14 years ago you were just 20th employee what's kept you at the company still invested still interested in what you do yeah, no, what, what I really like and, and what I still like is the fact that you uh, can do a lot of things for the first time, right? And not only the fact that you as a person do something for the first time, because when I started, for example, the marketing department, uh, we didn't have a marketing department to start with. But then the next step was, oh, we need a budget. So uh, from a personal perspective, that was the first time. But also many times in the industry, you did something for the first time, right? So we introduced, for example, an iPhone app, I think in 2009 or something. Well, uh, not a lot of companies actually had an iPhone app. So uh, even if you would have had the experience longer than I had, uh, you wouldn't have had the experience in, in for example, promoting an iPhone app or, or using a new channel to actually promote it. So uh, not only doing things yourself for the first time, on top of that, in the industry, you're probably the first, but then even the channel or the way of promoting things like is also new. So you get to be at the forefront of a lot of new innovations. Uh, and basically, uh, I mean, our company is different every year. And so is my role. Uh, and there hasn't been one day almost that is boring, right? And I always try to keep sort of that 90, 10% rule in everything I do. Like if I like 90% of what I do, why should I change, right? And I obviously can work in another company with the risk that I only like 60%. So as long as I like more than 90% of what I do, yeah, there's no reason for me to change. And and actually it gets more fun 
every year because you get to do uh, more countries, you get more international colleagues. So a lot of times I have the feeling that we just started, right? Although the company already exists for 20 years, like, uh, yeah, we, we, we all have the feeling it's just the beginning of something even bigger. And 90% is quite high, right? I mean, I don't have any statistical analysis, but I think probably most people don't enjoy 90% of, of what they do. No, but I actually, I, I, I do. Uh, and uh, that's maybe also because I, I sometimes try to solve things that I don't like. So some people maybe leave it there, but I try to uh, solve it. And then maybe for a week time, uh, I, I don't like uh, 80% of what I do, but then I solve it and then I can go back to the 90%. And the 90% also applies to a lot of other things I, I tend to do in life, like uh, well, maybe come to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, you also um, mentioned that notion of doing things for the first time. It's obviously a philosophy that's really important to you. Do you think that's the key or at least one of the keys to um, satisfaction within a job and to employee engagement? Well, definitely. Like, I, I, I really feel that you should try and 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 do new stuff. Um, it could be on the same topic, right? So it would be a bit chaotic if you try to do completely different things every time because you're still on that one topic that you're hired for, right? Like, you you shouldn't f uh, lose focus. But by trying new ways, you still sort of uh, feel that you're doing things in a new way. And personally, I would get very bored if I would do the same thing every day, right? So even some things that are somewhat repetitive, I try to improve or I try to do in a different way so that I keep myself fresh view on, on the things I do, right? And also the team that we always try, like actually what we're doing for the last year maybe doesn't make sense or try to do things a little bit better uh, than we used to do it. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you do completely different things all day. Uh, because I, I still go to work, I still, uh, yeah, my, my focus is B2B, so I tend to not uh, worry too much about the, the other things uh, in the company. Uh, but I do uh, want progress, right? And I do want to um, uh, innovate because otherwise, yeah, we will do the same and we will not progress as much as I would like to. Okay, let's talk about B2B. Um, JustEatTakeaway.com for business. What was the what was the seed of that idea? Where did it come from? Where did it originate? And and what makes it a global proposition? Tell us about tell us about what you're doing. Yeah. Now in 2018 we acquired the company in in Israel. Uh, that was also founded like at the same time our Dutch brand was founded. The big difference was that they started out uh, focusing on on corporates. So the company name is Tembis. Um, still very successful. Um, and and what they actually did is they provided employers with the opportunity to provide their employees with an allowance they can use on the platform, but they also introduced a payment card. So you can also use it in basically any restaurant in Israel. So uh, after the acquisition, uh, we took a while to, to look at how we could integrate it in the rest of the world and start within Europe. And that's what we did. So um, yeah, when I, when I began at the department, I think we were with two people. Uh, now we're about 70, 80. And Obviously, the things that worked in Israel don't necessarily also work in other countries in Europe. First of all, the eating culture is different, but also from a technology perspective, it's completely different. So we started out with an online allowance that you can use on the platform and recently also introduced a payment card that basically works worldwide. So um, if your employer um, gives you the perk of, uh, let's say, 100 euro allowance per month, you can either spend it on the platform or you can just take your card or in your wallet and, and spend it in the rest of the world, which is quite a unique. And that's 
maybe to come back to the point that we just discussed, like to do things for the first time. We are not the first company that issued a bank card because a lot of banks did it, right? But we are the first company that is a food company that actually issued a card that you can only use to buy food. So you know what I mean? Like it's it's not yeah. it's, it's being again like yeah, it's it's not completely new, but in our industry, for me, plus um in, in this setting, it's completely new. So that really excites me. And you refer to it as takeaway pay? Is that, a, is that a universal name or is that just within Jet? Yeah, we refer to it internally as Jet Pay and locally we have a local name. So uh, Just Eat Pay, for example, in the UK and uh, Thuisbezorg Pay in the Netherlands. So we use local brand names there. So it's 20, 2023. Organizations are looking more and more for ways of engaging their, their employees, their colleagues, and looking for benefits that are not necessarily financial remuneration so it's not just pay this is this is a fascinating new example of that do you think it has benefits above and beyond just paying more why is it why does it engage colleagues yeah maybe i'm i'm probably you know saying um happy wife happy life i i think that also applies a bit to to this but then for your employees like um if you um give your employees for example 100 euro per month they are reminded of you giving this gift, let's say, 20 times per per uh, per month because they can use it for a coffee or a sandwich or whatever. So, first of all, I mean, if you give them free food, they get happier. And if you have happy employees, your business also um, flourishes because, yeah, it's mostly dependent on how, how well your employees do. So that's the first part. Secondly, like you could also choose to, for example, raise uh, somebody's salary with 100 euro. But first of all, they might be offended by the amount. Secondly, they probably would forget uh, it after one month. So it's some some sort of recurring thing that is not only a um, financial um, uh, benefit, but also an emotional one, right? Yeah. And if you look at return on investment, it's probably a better investment than a 100 euro salary increase. Yeah, I can totally see that. The other thing that struck me is that with JetPay, what you're buying is always a, a positive thing, right? So you're buying things that you like. You're not spending your money on new tires for your car or your train fare, stuff that you forget. It's You're always getting a, a positive thing with this, pe- this um, gift, which is probably the wrong word, from your employer. Yeah, we, we actually see it as a gift, right? So uh, our colleagues, uh, they all have the, this card, so or most of them. So actually they, they, for example, pay in the canteen and they see it as a gift rather than having free food available in a canteen because the fact that you pay for it uh, makes you uh, feel it's a gift more than when you get it for free. So uh, next to the fact that you can obviously yeah, pay almost anywhere in the world, it's that gift that you get, let's say, 10 to 20 times per month that really excites people. And I mean, obviously, uh, I work for Jet, so I I'm, I'm, might not be the most uh, objective person, but we also hear that back from, from corporates, right? That it's really uh, something they really uh, get appreciation for. And that's why they love our product. So sometimes we have some challenges in explaining the product because if we start talking about a card, they totally don't get it in the first instance. But as soon as they get it and they tried it, and they get feedback from their colleagues. They, yeah, and, well, again, ninety percent of them uh, likes it, and then that really excites us. And to 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 um, yeah, to to get this product across to more companies. So uh, I'm at. I, I know that you guys test internally, and I know that all your employees at Jet have the option to use JetPay, as you call it, the takeaway pay concept. 
Is it popular internally? Uh, and what are you learning from that process of your employees using it? Yeah, no, definitely popular. Um, what we learn from it is that we actually are able to get a lot of feedback before we do a commercial launch. So we always tend to introduce a new feature first to our own employees, uh, then try to get uh, uh, feedback very fast and then potentially try to uh, already implement um, uh, improvements on those features before we go to market. We don't always get to do that, but in the majority of times we do that. And because we have, let's say, thousands of, of colleagues uh, uh, providing feedback, all that uh, feedback is uh, significant, right? So it's not like we ask two, two colleagues, oh, yeah. how did you like the product? But it, it's thousands of people. So if, if then uh, 500 tell us we don't like feature X or are you missing that, then... Yeah, that is probably significant. So uh, that helps us a lot in product development. Uh, and that is also unique, right? Like um, to our business, I think. And did, did your employees take to it straight away? So when they were given this option of uh, takeaway pay, of jet pay, did, did everybody adopt it immediately? Did it take time? Yeah, I think any any employee would do that. If you get free food, you would <laughs> directly use it there. <laughs> so no problems there then. Okay, no so problems, no problem. What about the, the flexibility of how they can use it? Can they save up their, their points, their cash, their food, and maybe blow it on a giant buffet at the end of the month? Or <laughs> are, are there rules and regulations in place? Well, the, the regulations are set by the employer. So in, in our case, we, we uh, for, for our uh, colleagues internally, we set a, a daily budget uh, or actually HR department uh, set the daily budget of, uh, of seven euro. Um, theoretically, you could open it up and say, well, you can spend 100 euro at once. I would never advise that. And that's also something we, we, we don't advise to our, uh, um, our customers because you actually want it to be sort of a lunch benefit. And if you just give 100 euro, then maybe you throw a party and order 10 pizzas and you might as well then just give people the salary. Then there's no additional value in that. So if you want to use it as a lunch benefit, we always advise to put a certain limit on it. Yeah, that makes sense. You actually lose the uniqueness of the benefit, don't you, by by Definitely, saving it yeah. or, or, or yeah. spending it all at once. Um, right. Have you got any examples of uh, uh, clients who have taken this on board and how they've used it? Yeah, one of our, I mean, international clients uh, is Okta. It's an identity management uh, platform. And actually, um, they were already a client of uh, our uh, UK branch uh, before we merged. Uh, so then when we merged with Just Eat, they also grew uh, very rapidly and they opened offices in other countries. Uh, and then let's say that the benefit of being more of a sort of a global company was more visible because then they reached out to us and said, okay, we want also uh, to have this product in our office in Amsterdam or in Barcelona or whatever. So um, you also get to serve many international clients that first tested, for example, in Germany, but then also have a, an office in Austria. So that's really fun to see that most of the time you start with, um, let's say, uh, a department in in, uh, in in one company, uh, then multiple departments in the same company or in the same office, then you move to multiple offices and then sometimes even multiple countries. So that is really great of being available in so many countries. And do you notice any difference in the philosophies around um, food and benefits in different countries? Yeah, I like uh, we're we're. I mean, I'm based in the Netherlands, so the the the, the lunch culture is is a lot different than in other European countries. So, for example, when I go to the Berlin office uh, at lunch, there's nobody there for like well around an hour, I would say. Everybody's going out for lunch, going to a restaurant, mostly warm food. 
Well, in the Netherlands, it's a, it's a broodje kaas. And uh, so it, it's definitely a different uh, eating culture. And that's also uh, what we see in discussion. So in the Netherlands, you have to explain a bit more uh, about the fact that um, it could be beneficial for your team to actually go out for lunch yeah. and have some fresh air and go to a restaurant. And uh, But you don't have to explain that in, in, in Germany or Poland. So in that sense, you see some, some cultural differences. Yeah, I think it's the same in the UK. A sad sandwich, um, homemade sandwich at the <laughs> desk. Terrible. Yeah. Um, now, earlier we talked about your management style and, and really your business philosophy. So with that, with regard to Jet, why do you think people enjoy working with you at Jet and, and in Jet as a whole? Well, I think uh, if I start with Jet, then I think the the fact that it still has that that startup energy, right? We're we're not a startup by far, right? We're, we're a global listed uh, company, but it still has that energy of entrepreneurial uh, power, uh, getting things done. So um, I think they like that part next to the the food and tech and uh, and people part. Uh, and if I speak for myself, I tend to give people a lot of trust in the beginning. Like I also got a lot of trust when I was hired yeah. uh, within certain boundaries, right? So I give people trust, but if they mess up, I'm, I can be very strict. But I start always with the trust part. So that really makes people feel accountable for things and then they flourish or they completely, um, yeah, um, how do you say that in a neat way? Um <laughs> You have a suggestion? Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I understand where you're coming from. And, and then you need to be strict. And um, I can also be strict, but I always start uh, the other way around and say, okay, you know what to do. I also don't have the answer to a lot of things, right? Because, again, it's something we do when it's new. So I cannot tell you exactly how you should do it, but try things and let me know how it's going and if I can help you. But if they make misuse of that trust, then yeah, I'm, I'm very clear and then uh, also very fast in decision-making, so to say. So you mentioned then um, a little earlier that startup energy that still exists at Jet. And actually a few other guests of the podcast have mentioned that startup energy. Can you give us a bit more detail on what, how does that feel on a day-to-day basis? What does that mean? Does it change people's behaviors in the organization? Yeah, I mean, I'm, when I was back in marketing, for example, the example I gave with with that with that iPhone app, we started a campaign on the social media network. Uh, I think I asked for, uh, I think it was probably hundred euro, not probably thousand euro to start with, and then I showed, okay, this actually works. And then it was like, okay, I went to Yitz, like, okay, it's okay, I need hundred thousand euro. And then when that worked, you could even go uh, and ask for one million euro, right? So you you. Within certain boundaries, you are allowed to make mistakes, right? Obviously, it should be sort of a calculated risk. So I, I don't want to take risks that would cost millions to start with. But okay, it's fine if we lose 10K to start with, if the chance of success is a lot higher. So I think that still applies. If I have a good idea or somebody in the team has a good idea and we talk about it, so okay, yeah, well, maybe not do it for all countries to start with, but start small. If we see that it works, then yeah, there's there's budget available or we can create budget or whatever to get things done. And that, I think, is rather rare in the size of the, 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 the corporate that we also are, right? Because yeah. we have well, a lot of people. So there are a lot of processes, a lot of departments that you didn't used to be there. So... When I started, I could basically, I don't know, sign the contract myself. But now we have like a legal department and a procurement department and a risk department and a finance department. So uh, sometimes things get a bit slower. But on the other hand, uh, it's also uh, the skill is a lot bigger. So when I used to do something for the Netherlands, 
the risk was also a bit lower. But now if I want to do something for 20 countries, for example, obviously we need to discuss the risk with certain departments or the consequences for a finance department. So... Yeah, I, I think that that does it answer your question, or yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. And is is there still a desire for risk within Jet? Is there still is that something that they still embrace, or you still embrace? <laughs> well, a desire for risk, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it like that. But there's still a lot of uh, entrepreneurial spirit, and that's mainly because the well, some of the founders are still in the managing board, yeah. for example. Uh, and they see opportunities more than risk, right? So if, if you have a good idea, you can still, anybody actually can still go to the board, come up with an idea. And if it's good, then yeah, then you get the chance to do it. And sometimes you can also do something without asking for approval and maybe asking for forgiveness. That's also fine. But at least if you're trying to move on things, right? And I think that's a nice part of the company that you have that combination of that entrepreneurial spirit but with the size of a corporate and that is very rare, I think. Tell us about some times when all that has come together, perhaps within your team, when you've been particularly proud of um, your team's achievements and you've wanted to celebrate them, embrace them. Yeah, so one thing that comes to mind is we have, uh, for example, an account manager in Austria that recently was thrown into a, a pitch meeting with, I think, 20 directors of all kinds of banks in Austria. Well, he never have done that and certainly not at that level. Uh, and they made his his afternoon quite difficult, so to say. But he managed to get the deal in the end, right? So, and and obviously, I mean, the whole company is relatively junior on average, uh, maybe except for certain senior management. But on average, I think we're, we're quite junior uh, and quite young. So, same applied to him. But he got the deal, right? So I didn't help. I didn't do anything. Uh, he went into this meeting himself, and he got the big deal for a few hundred. Uh, uh, users, which was great. So that really makes me proud that, that well, uh, he's part of the team, but he can apparently do it without my help. And that, that is what we aim for, right? Fantastic. So that's the successes. What about what about the challenges? What are the challenges that face your section of the organization? Yeah, like like if you if you think about the market, we we need to explain a lot, so people don't directly understand. Like like one of your questions, like okay, B two B, like with the food delivery yeah. platform. So there's a lot of explanation that we need to do, and there's some I think some some challenges in getting the message across and to really get to explain the feeling that our existing customers already have because they actually uh, underline the feeling that also our own colleagues tell us about the product, right? So to to manage the, those feelings up front is a, is a challenge. And I mean, uh, B2C is, is huge in our company, right? So um, I used to be in that field, so I understand it. But then it's sometimes hard to get uh, things done because we're still relatively small part of the business. So I think that's more of an internal challenge to to get the message across and to to also um, uh, point at the success in Israel and what that would mean if that success would also come to all other countries that would have a huge impact on the business. But yeah, we're we're, we're we have I think a hundred million B two C customers. So to then uh, try to uh, grow very fast. And in our case, it's not like we, we, we don't do television, for example, right? So it's company by company and user by user. So that doesn't necessarily go very fast. Like even if you sign up a company with 500 people, that's a huge success. But first 100 million, that yeah, it's still relatively small. So that's sometimes a challenge uh, for internal reasons. Yeah, I totally get that. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, so this next question... You may not have a, 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 an answer to hand, but it's something that we've asked all our guests. And it's, do you have a favorite failure? So something that perhaps hasn't worked initially, 
but looking back has been as a, a benefit to you? Well, I mean, I have a lot of failures, right? And to come back to that, uh, that 90, 10 uh, percent, I think I tried to do my best to maybe make 80 percent of the, the decisions I made uh, should be good. And then 20 or 10 percent can be very bad. So <laughs> I, I, there are numerous, right? I can, I can probably uh, talk a full hour about all the mistakes I made. But I think I also had a, a, a time in my career where I became a bit more cautious of doing things right and wanting to avoid actually making mistakes. But then you actually feel that you slow down. So I think that was the mistake to not wanting to make mistakes. So if you're at a point in, in your career or in your job where you don't make mistakes, you're probably not going fast enough. Uh, so that would be my advice, like make a lot of mistakes uh, because that, that also tells you that you're going fast, obviously within a certain uh, calculated risk, right? So to the point like maybe it's okay-ish to lose 10K, but yeah, you should not lose uh, 100 million. In, in a decision, right? So if you do that in a calculated way, I think that is the best way to uh, move forward rather than to sit, relax and say, okay, I won't make any mistakes or I won't hurt anybody by what I say or I won't do anything that might not be liked by person X or because then you slow down and then you become that really, that corporate corporate ghost uh, I think it's a that's, to that. that's a brilliant phrase, a corporate ghost. You mentioned there was a time in your career when perhaps you did slow down and stop taking risks what why do you think that happened to you if you began to become a bit like a, a corporate ghost yeah because because more more uh departments are involved right to the okay. point that like i, I could uh, take decisions myself in the beginning because there was no other department uh, actually to discuss it with but some point you realize yeah but maybe i should discuss it with them and with them and what maybe they don't like it or maybe it's their area now or maybe and I think when I um, realized that wasn't the way to go, then I could go forward again. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay, this one is a, a little bit philosophical. I'm at, why do you go to work? Yeah, I mean, what I, what I just told you, I, I like 90% of what I do, but really I like getting things done and uh, having fun, let's say, while doing that. So you get the opportunity to get a lot of things done with a lot of nice people in a, in a great industry. So the getting things done part is uh, my main driver. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Ad Kutub. Thank you very much uh, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Ed. Thank you for listening to We Are Jet. If you'd like to know more about working at Just Eat Takeaway, go to careers.justeattakeaway.com. Our career website can also be found in our show notes. My name is Ed Palmer. Talk to you soon.